Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. Thank you so much, you guys. That was an absolutely beautiful rendition. That's one of my favorite songs, and I, I'm pretty sure I cried the first time I, I heard that song because it, it spoke to me about what it means to be a father, and I think uh, this artist who wrote this song is Josh Garrels. If you guys haven't heard of him, it's pretty amazing. He's an amazing artist, and uh, this song in particular, I believe he wrote it to his heavenly father, speaking of returning to the father and the, and the acceptance of father. But to me, it really symbolized what it meant as, for me as a human to be a father and to be opening and welcoming and to accept my sons at any time, at any place, no matter what they've done, what they've been through, what hardships, that they're always welcome back at my table with open arms, we're always going to love them. And that's, that's what Father's Day is all about. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. So happy Father's Day, everybody. Uh, all you fathers, fathers-to-be. I know we have some fathers that are getting ready to be fathers again uh, right now, in this very moment, possibly. <laughs> so if you give birth during the service, please put it in the chat, a little picture, so we can see what's going on. Uh, yeah, we've got to keep track of that. Um, but let's talk about, first of all, I'm going to talk about different aspects of father. And I want to address the little baby elephant in the room, which I know some of us may not have a great memories of our actual biological fathers. And that's okay. And what I want and I'm encouraged and invite you to do as we're talking today is just to think about the father figures or the male figures in your life um, that you do love and respect and who have had a, a great influence on you. So... I know that that can be sensitive for some people when we talk about Father's, Father's Day, Mother's Day. It's always a time that you kind of have to be careful. Um, so I'm inviting you to just be open and to think about the fathers that have shaped your life or the men that have shaped your life. So my father was a genius. And, well, at least I thought he was a genius when I was younger until I was old enough to, you know, put him in perspective with the rest of the world and figure out he wasn't actually a genius uh, despite what we sometimes think about our fathers, but he was a very intelligent, and he is. He's still here. He's a very intelligent man. And one of the things my father did when we were young is he is almost an obsessive teacher, and he would research things, and he would find out things, and he would, didn't have the internet, but he had books, books, books galore, and he would learn about every single subject, and then he would share it with us, share it with us nonstop, just tell us information, and we would sit there and soak it up as little kids. It was the best thing in the world, it was like the walking encyclopedia of dad all the time, right? And that's awesome until you get a little older and realize that you want to have a mind of your own a little bit. So, so here I am. I'm about 12 or 13 years old, and I was into bikes, BMX bikes. And I had built my own, by hand, piece by piece, a custom BMX bike. And I was one of the first kids in my neighborhood to have a BMX bike because they were new. They were just coming out. And I, using this research and this hands-on skill that my dad had taught me, I built my bike bearing by bearing, piece by piece, grips, handlebars, every little piece. I got it custom, built this beautiful bike. And one day, my best friend and I, Robert, went out for a ride on our bikes. And as we're riding in the, around the neighborhood on our bikes, and I hear Robert's brakes are squeaking in front of me. So I, of course, again, hey, Robert, guess what you need to do about your brakes? This is what I did, and I adjusted them, and I angled the toe of the brake pads in just a little bit there, and I used this, da-da-da, and here's what you need to do. And after a while, he just, er, stopped. He was quiet, 
And he said, fine, you know everything there is to know about bikes. And he turned around and he dashed off home. And I'm sitting there on the side of the neighborhood street wondering what just happened. What did I do? I was trying to help him. I was trying to share my knowledge with him. And I didn't see Robert for weeks after that. He just disappeared. He was no longer my best friend. And I slowly rode home, just completely confused. And it wasn't until years later that I started to realize that this was my dad coming out in me, the lecturing, teaching authority on everything. And here I was putting this on to my friends. And I would realize, as I think most of us have realized, that as you get older, most people don't like to be lectured to about things that they should be able to figure out for themselves or that they probably should know. But it took me a, a, a lot of years and a lot of uh, parenting <laughs> really helped me with this to realize that you can't just tell people what to do all the time. You can't tell them what you have learned as if it's something that they should know and learn as well. They have to figure it out for themselves. So this was a thing that I was able to then look back on. I was able to reflect, to self-reflect, and to change in my life as I became a parent. And I, I know that I screwed up on this a lot with my, my boys, who are 18 and 21 now, but I, I tried. I always reflected back on this moment with Robert when I scared my best friend off because I tried to tell him what to do about his brakes. And I took that into to raising kids. Now, now think about this. When, if you're a parent, you're teenagers, right? When did you start teaching them how to drive? Was it 15, 16? You start teaching your kids how to drive from the moment you bring them home from the hospital, put them in the car seat, and put them in the back seat of your car and start driving home. As you're driving home, every day of their lives until they're 16, that they're riding with you in the car, you are teaching them how to drive because they look at you, they model after you. And that's something that we don't think about so much when we're acting in the world, whether it's as a parent, a father, a mother, a friend, a mentor. If anybody in the world looks up to you, they're watching what you do every single day, and especially our kids. They're watching us. So imagine when they get 16, they've learned whether you drive reckless, fast, slow, uh, however you drive for the first 16 years of their life, they're going to take that into their hands-on skills and become drivers now. And you're not going to tell them how to do it. They're just going to know because they followed your example. So imagine if you were to have a kid and say, you don't see a car, you don't ride in a car, you, you don't even know what it's like to be in a car for the first 16 years, and now you're going to drive a car. Just throw them in the car and try to teach them. It'd be a disaster, right? They absorb, they learn from watching. And I think that's a very powerful, powerful thing that we sometimes forget as fathers, as father figures, as mentors, is that everybody is watching. Somebody is watching your every move and what we can do is plant seeds. Uh, we can't tell our kids what to do. We can't tell other people what to do, but we can model. There's a great quote, and I, I don't know the author, but I know his name is Clarence Buddington Kelland, and he said, my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. And I think that's one of the more important skills as a father, that coupled with the next part, which is, letting go of your control. And I have 
One of my favorite memories, my wife probably tells it a little different than I will, but when my first son was maybe two or three years old, this is my other one, Kai, the older one, he had a big booger coming out of his nose. I mean, it, it was literally the biggest, largest chunk of stuff you'd ever seen, and it didn't seem possible that this could actually come out of his head. And Claire, of course, being the, the ultimate mother, you know, she grabs a tissue and starts, reaches for his face and starts to pull this, this thing out of his nose. And it was like Shrek, you know, you're just like pulling this huge booger out of his nose. And Kai says, no, my booger. <laughs> and he tries to, tries to get it back from Claire because he wanted to get that booger. It was his big, tremendous booger. And that was like... His personality for the rest of his life is that you cannot do anything for him. You cannot tell him how to do it. He's got a mind of his own. And it's so funny is that term, he's got a mind of his own. You know, sometimes that's thrown around almost like it's a bad thing. You know, my kid's got a mind of his own. Yes, of course. Don't we want them to have a mind of their own? But how hard is it for us as parents to let go of wanting to control that mind, shape that mind? One of the um, other aspects of being a father is the biological pieces, components. What makes us up that is actually biology that's given to us from our fathers, our parents? And here's a really interesting study. It's a story, really, not really a study, but a story. There were two women, Barbara and Daphne, and they were raised in London, and they were identical twins. And we have some identical twins out in our community, too, so your, your parents uh, might relate to this. So these identical twins... Uh, from the time they were born, they were completely similar. They both uh, left school, actually, at the same age of about 12. They both went to work for the government in a government job. They both met their, their future husbands at 16 years old at high school, or not high school, but community hall dances. They both got married. They both had miscarriages at the same time. They both had two boys and one girl. They both had the same weird quirks like, they love the same kind of foods. They love weird foods. They, they drank their coffee cold. They both had fears of heights and blood. They dressed the same. They were identical. And this is not that strange until you consider that they didn't meet each other until they were 40 years old. They were adopted by separate parents and lived completely separate lives until they were 40 years old, they discovered each other, and when they finally met at 40, they were actually wearing almost the same clothes. Isn't that crazy? Like the biology of what created them, their personalities, their habits. They even said they had a habit of pushing their nose up with their palm like this, one of those funny body habits. They do that all the time. They both did that, completely separate of each other. So if you think about how much is nurture versus nature, right? They've even had studies that show that our, our tendency towards uh, a happy disposition or a sad disposition or a worryful disposition uh, is dependent on the, the left or right front part of our brain being more active on one side or the other, and that is also linked to our genes. And I find it interesting because my dad, generally a very happy guy most of his life, but in his midlife, started to experience depression. Me, same thing. Totally happy guy till I reached midlife, went into this weird depression. But it was only when I decided to step back and change that 
be self-aware enough to say, I've got a problem and I need to fix it. I want to fix it. I was able to change that. My father, unfortunately, has not been able to do that. He still deals with it. But the kind of the magic here, and it, we've talked about Bruce Lipton and the biology of belief, things like that. You can change your genes. You can change your biology with prayer and meditation. And for me, it was simply embracing my spirituality, coming to unity, meeting this community of loving people, and going deep within myself to find out where happiness really comes from. And it wasn't outside. It wasn't with anybody else. It was deep inside of me. And the beauty of that is that I was able to change my genes. And unfortunately, I'm not going to make any more children, so I can't pass on these new happy genes to anybody. But this is a good reminder for you dads out there who are preparing to make children. This would be a good time to get your stuff in order because you can change. You're not stuck with whatever your dad gave you, whatever your mom gave you. That may be your starting point, but you can change it. You can manipulate it. And this would be a good time to start. Start thinking about that. And then let's talk about our metaphorical father. And this is another pain point, I think, or a touchy point for some people. We talk about the father in heaven, or if we say he, you know, our father, he, uh, which is definitely more fundamental, uh, a Christian approach. But I want to propose that maybe we think about this with an open mind. Maybe it's okay for the context of this conversation that we can say he. We can know that, that God, spirit, oneness is he, is she, is it, is all of it. We can, we can even imagine that God is so much more that God doesn't really care if we call it he or she or it or dog or whatever. Mac, buddy. <laughs> I don't think God really cares because God is so much bigger than that. God is masculine and feminine. So when we talk about the masculine, the he energy of spirit, what comes to me is the words of that song, which is that there will always be room for you at my table. Return to me. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how you screw up, this is what we want our parents to do for us, right? We want our parents to be the people that no matter how bad we screw up in life, we can go home, sit down, have dinner, not be judged, and just be loved for who we are. And I think that's my vision of what spirit is, of what God, him, when we speak of him, is this loving energy that accepts unconditionally, with grace, without boundary, It is an unconditional love that is the love of the father. And it is also in the mother. So whether you are out there today as a father or mother, a future father, a past father, no father at all, I think I've covered just about everybody out there potentially, we all can bring on a little bit of that dad 2.0, which is the, the acceptance, the welcoming the forgiveness. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what color you are. Even if you screwed up, you could go to jail. I want to love you. I want fathers out there. I want you to love them. 
to accept them for who they are. And that's, that's Dad 2.0. That's what everybody in this world right now, right here, needs to share. And that's what I wanted to share with you. And I also have a little, uh, little gift for you guys from some of our community members who have sent in some of their um, celebrations about their fathers and some wisdom from their fathers, which I think is really, really poignant. And if we listen to these, these, these few voices here and listen to what the, the message is, we realize how deep and beautiful the energy of the father really is. So let's take a look at what some of our friends had to say. I want to honor and celebrate my father, Samuel Schechter, because he exemplified courage that inspired my life. At the age of 13, he emigrated from a small village in the Ukraine to join his father in New York and started a new life. Eventually, he became a self-made man despite the incredible odds of the Great Depression. His example inspired me to follow my own aspiration in spite of the odds. And because of him, my daughters have been blessed with a positive outlook, which my own life and career now celebrates. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Hello. Um, I want to honor my grandfather, Lonnie Howard, um, because he exemplified being an honorable person. And I think because of him, I'm a more honorable person today. Uh, what He was a powerful person. He worked his way up to be vice president of the second largest trucking company in the United States in the 1970s. And um, even though he had that power and had money, he didn't allow that to affect how he treated other people. In fact, um, especially later in life, most of his best friends were people that he met, um, like servers in restaurants, tellers in a bank, um, just people he met, um, just going about his daily business. And he treated them just like he would treat anybody else, even though he, they might not have as much money as him or have succeeded as much as he did. He still treated them with respect. And not only did he treat them that way, but he truly got to be friends with them. He uh, learned things about them. He asked questions of them to learn about them. And he would remember the stuff that he learned. So the next time he saw them, he would ask them how their child was doing or, or say, isn't it your child's birthday today? Or he would um, remember that it was a graduation or an anniversary that their family was having. So he truly got to know them. And so even though I'm not as good at doing that with people as he was, I, I do try to treat all people with respect, uh, no matter their status in life. And lastly, I just want to give some advice from myself. Um, I just want to remind you to, um, as a father, to love your children, tell them that you love them, and give them lots of hugs, and don't be shy about it, because with all the crazy stuff we got going on in the world today and all the online bullying, um, kids just need to hear that. They need to be reminded. They need to have that verbal reinforcement that, that they are loved so that they remember that. And um, everyone have a great Father's Day. Thank you. Hi, I want to honor my dad, Jack, who passed in 2009. And first of all, I want to say a loud thank you. Thank you, thank you. He was my teacher and my guide, and most of all, he was my friend, but it, he always had that voice that said, you can do it, you can do it, champ, whatever it is you want to do, you can do. And I believed him, and so because of that, 
changed my life. I've had a rich, full life. Maybe not conventional, but he never directed where I should go. Just trust your heart and you can do it. So I just want to say thank you. I feel my dad was a musician and I think uh, my offerings today are a result of him and I think they're making the change in the world. And again, I just say, thanks dad. When I was asked to give a quick talk on male role models in my life, uh, it immediately came to me that I have to talk to you about a, a gentleman who came to my home yesterday. We moved yesterday and he and a, a bunch of other really wonderful people from the Unity community came to help us out. Uh, but this guy, above all others, was the strongest he was the most vibrant, the most energized, and the most enthusiastic, and clearly happiest to be there. Awesome, awesome, and just an amazing role model for me um, as a man on how to stay physically active, uh, fit, and alive, and vibrant. Uh, super impressed. This man is 77 years old. Uh, I am 46. He's 77. He is running circles around me. He's was hands down the strongest person around, um, despite his 77 years. And just you, he just acts like somebody in their 20s in terms of what he'll do and his vibrancy. And that man is Jim Pasmore. Uh, he doesn't know this yet, but yesterday I decided he is my new role model on how to be healthy and fit. So thank you, Jim. I love you and you are amazing. Hi, this is Jim Pasmore and I wanna honor my father. Uh, I was with him for the last week of his life, uh, and on his deathbed, I asked him the question, uh, do you have any regrets? And he said, no, I have no regrets. I made a lot of mistakes, but I have no regrets. And I had another mentor named Hal Grodsons, uh, whom I worked with for many years. And basically what he said uh, when I talked about a mistake I'd made, he said, you know what, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. So uh, both of those are wisdom to live by for me. Thanks. Thank you, Dad, and thank you for that word, uh, words of wisdom. And again, uh, I hope you guys all have a great Father's Day. And um, don't forget, the words of wisdom are not just for dads, it's for all of us. So. Go forth and conquer. I know a girl, she puts the color inside of my world. She just like a maze where all the walls all continually changed and I've done all I can to step on the steps with my heart in my hand now I'm starting to see maybe it's got nothing to do with me Fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. 
girls become lovers, return into mothers. So mothers be good to your daughters too. Oh, you see that skin? It's the same she's been standing in Since that day she saw him walking away Now she's left cleaning up the mess he made Fathers, be good to your daughters Daughters will love like you do Girls become lovers who turn into mothers Mothers, be good to your daughters, too. Boys, you can break. Find out how much they can take. Boys will be strong and boys soldier on. But boys will be gone without warmth from a woman's good, good heart. On behalf of every man, looking out for every girl, you are the God and the weight of her world. So fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. Girls become lovers who turn into mothers. So mothers, be good to your daughters too. Mothers, be good to your daughters, too. Mothers, be good to your daughters, too. Mothers, be good to your daughters.